Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and time to talk about books again. Yeah, it feels like it's been longer than two weeks. Oddly does, but there's just been a lot going on with us. So. Yes, every every day it's felt like a week. <laughs> and some did sometimes, yeah. But we have actually gotten some decent reading done in this time, so, you know, it's not all terrible. Yeah, I was surprised I'd read as many as I had, but it snuck up on me. Okay, I'm getting started. Go for it. The first one that I finished in these two weeks is called Blood from a Stone by Adam McHugh. It has a subtitle that I put in the show notes, but I don't remember what it is. Essentially, this is a memoir about a guy who lived in California and the ways that uh, wine brought him back from the dead. A memoir of how wine brought me back from the dead. Yes, I was remembering it right as you started looking it up. Well, I take a picture <laughs> so that I can look at it. So it was just in the edge of my picture. I so. really liked it for a lot of reasons. First of all, the way that he writes about the countryside in California, the vineyards, also the way that he writes about wine. I also find it really interesting that he was actually a pastor. Um, and at the start yeah. of this book, he was a hospice chaplain. Um, a job which pretty much just spit, uh, chewed him up and spit him out. It might make you drink some wine, yeah. <laughs> and he talks about um, wine as a metaphor, really, like the way that the grape is transformed and turns into something that is, you know, beautiful and richer, and the metaphor of faith through wine, all these kinds of things that I just thought, I thought they were really cool. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed his voice. And he actually now works in wine in California instead of as a pastor. Great book, truly. Yeah. And I don't think that you have to like wine to like the book. I think it's just an interesting story. Well yeah, written. It seemed interesting. You read me a few little bits and yeah, different. All right. Then the next one is called Begin Again by Emma Lord. I think I've read all of her stuff. She's a young adult writer um, who writes about mostly high school girls uh, and in various problems. She wrote one about it's kind of a love letter to New York with the girl who was in the theater. She wrote all kinds of things. I think her best known one is called Tweet Cute. This one is her first one that she wrote moving on beyond high school. This one was set in a college. Um, honestly, for part of it, I was kind of just struck by how very unrealistic I found it. I've never heard of any college that operates the way this fictional <laughs> one did in any manner. Um, but it was still, you know, just sometimes you just suspend your disbelief. And it was a lot of fun if you don't try to let realism get in your way. Then I read Someone, uh, Someone Else's Shoes by Jojo Moyes. I love her so much. And I think that she she's got really a wider range than I think she gets categorized sometimes she's the one who wrote oh gosh the title is gone me before you um the one that was that's her most famous one mm -hmm. that actually had a couple of sequels and a movie and just all kinds of things with it and I think from that she kind of got categorized as a romance writer this is not a romance really this is more a story about finding yourself female friendships um lots of mix-ups misunderstandings um, I struggled with it a little bit in part because I'm not a huge fan of the plight of the poor little rich person. Um, and one of the two yeah. central characters seemed at first to really embody that. And then the other central character seemed to embody just really a victim. Every bad thing that could happen to her did. And she seemed like powerless to stop everything. So just these two extremes kind of frustrated me a little bit. 
but I was really glad I stuck with the book all the way through to the end because I thought she really did a great job with realistic character transformation throughout the whole story. Um, she's just a great writer. She really is. Um, she has uh, gotten, like I said, stereotyped a little bit for these books, but don't let that stop you. She's uh, a good writer who writes really, really good, solid stories. I struggle with the same thing you're talking about. I'm a class warrior on my <laughs> reading. It's why I've never liked The Sun Also Rises and why it took me a while to get around really on The Great Gatsby. But, you know, I, I learned I, I, if, if I read long enough and well enough, I started to realize there was... A little more going on than that. But. See, Gatsby didn't bother me as much when I read it because I didn't really think you were supposed to like the rich people in there. Yeah, you're kind of not, <laughs> which does help. But it did bug me a lot with Hemingway, too. So. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, then I read Micro Mentor Text by Penny Kittle. She is, this is an education book. She is a former high school, middle school language arts teacher. She teaches college now, and she writes a lot about how to help students become better readers and writers. She's one of the best ones that I've ever seen with this, and even though I am no longer an English teacher, I still like her work. Um, in this one, she pulled a bunch of passages from many, many highly engaging novels, examined authors' craft in them, and looked at ways that you can use them as a springboard for your own writing. I really felt with this one, it was really inspiring, whether you're a teacher or not, just if you're any kind of author or creator, to like look at breaking down um, highly crafted passages like this. Then the last one was called Must Love Books by Shauna Robinson. It's about a young woman who's in publishing. Um, she took a job in publishing for the books, but now she is sorely disillusioned. Um, publishing's falling apart. Her pay has been cut. She doesn't know how she's going to pay the bills. And then... She gets an opportunity to freelance for a rival company. The only problem is, technically, to do that, she should quit her first job, which she can't do because she has to pay her bills. So she ends up working for both of them, and hijinks ensue. And Does she, like, hide her name? I mean... No, she wasn't that smart. Good gracious. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were, may have been some issues, but it was still... It was a fast-paced, um, interesting read, and... Um, I kind of liked the inside look at publishing. There's a lot of inside look at publishing. Interesting. Okay, I'm done except for our shared read. Now it's up to you. Okay, I uh, hit a lot of stuff here. Uh, folk music, a Bob Dylan biography, and seven songs by Grail Marcus. If you don't know Grail Marcus, he is kind of the granddaddy of rock criticism, and he always has written like an American studies professor who just swallowed a... Uh, 800-page tome on Melville or something. If you don't know Grail Marcus, you haven't been around here very long. Well, I mean, so yeah, first things first. If you care about rock criticism, Grail Marcus is a touchstone. Mystery Train was his first big book. It is one of the canonical books of rock criticism. It's pretty good. His book on Bob Dylan's basement tapes, uh, it was called The Old Weird America, and one of its guises it's one of those books that they've printed like four times under different names and it's <laughs> the same book but in any case it's a really good one and this was his new one it was a christmas gift and it's just him doing what he does he he takes songs and uses them as jumping off points to talk about americana and history and civil rights and bob dylan and America and all of those things. And if you're interested in the confluence of those things, again, and can abide a critic who may have swallowed a thesaurus, 
you'll love him. And if not, he's always interesting. He's a little full of bull and a little full of himself. And I've yeah, never you, minded either of those things. You've kind of had a love-hate relationship with him. Yeah, I have. Uh, Amanda, but I didn't I didn't hear you say anything bad about this book ever. Amanda Petrusich has always struck me as one of his acolytes. Oh, oh. So, <laughs> like, yeah, her, her lesser moments are, are like his. But at the same time, they're both capable of incredible insight as writers. I yeah. really came around on her, and I've always liked his stuff. It's just, you know, everything is Americana with Grail Marcus. But <laughs> if you can forgive him that, it was a fun read. Awesome. Um, William McKinley by Kevin Phillips. It wasn't enough to read one book about William McKinley. <laughs> I read two. Look at you, overachiever. This was part of that American Presidency series, so those are pretty short and pretty dry, and this one was no real exception um it is interesting to learn more about mckinley who probably was a fairly exceptional president uh and a lot of the progressive ideas that teddy roosevelt implemented were really mckinley's ideas or so kevin phillips says this was one of the more readable of those american presidency series and uh, i do feel like after two books i know a few things about william mckinley well you should i'd like to think so uh, Cracking the Show by Thomas Boswell. Tom Boswell uh, was the baseball writer for the Washington Post for eons, may still be. Uh, I got to know him around the same time. One, he was in Ken Burns' baseball movie. And two, the Family Literacy Center in Letcher County used to get these giant boxes of remaindered books that they would give away. And that's how I got to know Tom Boswell's stuff. I got, I think, three different ones of his books. The best one is the one that's called, this is a great title, Why Time Begins on Opening Day. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a great title. Yeah. So, Cracking the Show, I did not know of. This was an archive.org find. I just looked up Tom Boswell, and it's like, yep, that one, remember that one, read that one. What's this? So, Cracking the Show is another of his books of baseball writing. Uh, it dates from early to mid-1990s. Uh, as a writer, it doesn't hold up as well as I remembered it. I mean, this guy was like one of my A number one favorites, and now his purple prose enthusiasm for steroid-ridden baseball is a little bit embarrassing, <laughs> but he's a great writer, and, and it flew by for me. Uh, I like all his stuff, but you might start with Why Time Begins on Opening Day because mm -hmm. it is a little more of a classic. That yeah, And again, check out Ken time. Burns' Baseball if you haven't because it's freaking amazing. Um, and, yes. Buck O'Neill and all that. Okay, and this one was my surprise. I just kind of stumbled onto this. I, I wish I could say I was totally enthused by this book, but Sum It Up by Pat Summit with Sally Jenkins. Oh my gosh, you <laughs> loved this book. Yeah, I, I really did. This was one of the best autobiographies I've ever read. I just want to say, for the past week, I'd be brushing my teeth or cooking dinner or reading another book, doing anything in the world, and you'd come up to me and be like, oh, hey, yeah, and speaking of Pat Summit, let me tell you this story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those books. There are so many great stories. Of course, the sad thing is Pat Summit is now deceased. She died of early onset Alzheimer's. Um, but Sally Jenkins got this book down with her at exactly the right time. She had just retired from coaching. 
they had done prior books, and so she was able to use the old interviews and then supplement with new oh, that's good interviews stuff. and then talk with family to, to further set the record straight. But it sounds like there were good player interviews in there, too. There were good everything interviews. Sally Jenkins is a meticulous writer anyway. And just as a point of, of, of my personal experience here, I'm embarrassed that it took me this long to find this book, to come to this topic. Uh, I grew up a long stone's throw from Knoxville when she was winning national championships every year. Uh, if you know me, you know that <laughs> I, I grew up as a big Kentucky Wildcats fan, which made all things University of Tennessee anathema <laughs> to me, including Pat Summit. And I'm sorry for that because um, her her voice, her character really come through in this book. It never ceases to be fascinating. It never ceases to be interesting, inspiring, humbling, amusing. I mean, there's about 10 different things going on at once as there are in, in a, in a well-lived life. And she certainly had one. Um, just grateful this book existed and that for whatever reason, I stumbled onto it. But I, I would say it is a very strong contender for my yearly top 10. It would probably be the best book I've read in 2023 so far. But Everything that you shared from me with, sorry, from it with me was wonderful. And really all I knew about Pat Summit um, came from, I had my, a good friend from high school who went to the University of Tennessee. Yeah. And she was from that area and she would talk about Pat Summit. But um, I didn't really know much at all until you started sharing things and it was Absolutely fabulous. Well, you know, I, I knew the vague outline of the story, but it's one thing to intellectually know. It's another thing to realize that this woman, I, how can I tell the story? College basketball for women went from the tiniest dot on the most detailed map when she started in Knoxville to selling out 25,000-seat arenas with million-dollar TV contracts the pro league really grew out of the outstanding college game and the rivalry she forged with Gino Ariyama and UConn. Um, she was like none other. It, it just, in an odd way, it reminded me of some of the stuff I read about the Negro leagues in that you get this, I know there was a before, but how in the world was it this weird and not this long ago? And, and really the answer is because people changed it, and, and that was true in the Negro Leagues, and that was true with, with what Pat Summit was doing. So, again, I, I can't praise it highly enough. Uh, if you have any interest in the topic, or if you're just interested in, in kind of the cultural zeitgeist that sees women's basketball become a thing and think, how did that happen? Well, this is how that happened, so check it out. Awesome. Okay, so that leads us up to our shared book, yes? Yeah, which was... Supposed to be light and funny, it kind of is, and, and kind of isn't. Uh, it was one that I'd read years ago and kind of reluctantly said, well, you, you might like that, and much to my surprise and joy, you did like it. Well, you, okay, say the name of it and the author. It is Someone Could Get Hurt, a memoir of 21st century parenthood by Drew McGarry. And when you recommended it to me, you pulled it off the shelf and said, well, you might like this. There are parts where I just think he's straight up crazy and parts where I think he's really fun. Like your recommendation of this book was so halfway that I was like, 
great. Well, I bought this book for a friend and gave it to him and never heard boo about it. So maybe it fell between their couch cushions. But I, I kind of thought, well, maybe I was wrong for liking this book. I don't know. So I've, I've regained my, my confidence yeah, in it. Yeah, I read it and I, I really loved it. Parts of it were truly hilarious. He is an amazingly funny writer. He wrote for what, BuzzFeed? Uh, Deadspin. Deadspin. Anyway, um, he's a hilarious writer. Um, but other parts, I mean, he's writing about his the surgery that his newborn had to undergo when when he was just this tiny little preemie. And he writes about, you know, trying to get through to his tiny little uh, daughter and other son. And there are, are so many parts of it that are just the universal parenting experience in that it's the same fears, it's the same desires, it's the same hopes that you have for your kids. And then there are other times when I'm like, why did you do that? Just why did you do that? <laughs> you mean maybe the Halloween when he was trying to be the slow man and he worried that he was going to be mistaken for making fundamentally handicapped things like that? Why would he do that? Yeah, yeah. That could be an accident. Some of the things he did could <laughs> not be an accident. Yeah. You know, it, it is. It's one of those books where you will laugh through one chapter. And like this morning, I, I was looking back at it because it has been a while. And I read the chapter where he talks about his daughter's brief fixation with princesses and how loathsome and tiresome it is and blah, blah, blah. And he tells a story. And then at the end, he talks about how there are remnants that they've put away in the closet with the other things that she outgrew. They're just stages in her young life. And he says, but... Once in a while, I find myself missing that. I want to put on one of those dumb songs and listen to it. And I wish she wanted to be a princess again because I wish she wanted me to save her again. And, and that's one of that's those universal you know, Yeah, that's, that's in you a know, nutshell. That's it. You I know? was getting something out of your car the other day and found um, the monkey costume in their oh, garage. Gosh. Yes. <laughs> that was just maybe the very first costume that Natalie picked out for herself. I think so, yeah. As uh, for Halloween when she was so tiny and yeah, there are all these moments that you'll never get back. And even it's it's unfair of me to be critical of him being like, "Why anybody who looked at my parenting would also be occasionally like, "Why did you do that?" So. Or why did you do that in his or in a different stratosphere sometimes? Well, it's easy to say that from sitting here on your high and mighty throne. No, you know? it's just fact. I, I love the guy, but he is a little nuts. But but he's very relatable and he's very honest and he's very transparent. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciated it because, again, you get all of the... The mom blogs and the Facebook groups that try to tell you you must do this or that or this other thing or your kid will never turn out right, whatever <laughs> right is supposed to mean with your kids, good grief. Um, and then there's this book, which is none of those things. It's just honestly trying to relate what it's like trying to be a good parent right now and recognizing, as all of us do if we're honest, that we mess it up more than half the time. And we're all just hoping that our kids turn out well and nobody gets hurt. <laughs> That's sometimes the best goal out there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was a fun one. Someone it was, and I'm super, super glad that you recommended it to me and I read it. And I'm going to have to pull out that other book that you recommended to me that I never tried. I have no idea. It was that one. It was, the author's last name was Wright. I have no idea. It was idea. a baseball book. Anyway. 
I'm baseball totally season blind. is coming. And yes. so now, because you gave me such a good recommendation. <laughs> that I don't even remember. I'm going to pull that one back out, yeah. too. Thank you all for joining us this week and listening in as we talked about everything we've been reading. Um, let us know what you thought about any of the things that we've read this week and what else you think we ought to read. You can find us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com, on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. And for our next book, we're going to be doing something different. Yeah, we're going to shake it up. We're going to have a special guest on, our friend Andy, who is a... Uh, friend of us and that makes him a friend of the show uh you know he's uh he, he occasionally indulges us with some ideas of some stuff to read and uh, oh he has given us fabulous recommendations yeah, yeah he and his wife both yeah. uh and then we'll try to get her on too at, at some point but uh but he Andy's, has chosen our next read and he's going first yeah he gave us a couple choices and to my surprise you you went down the sports path which is kind of one of one of his and my uh, shared passions it's and, february i'm looking forward with great hope to the spring and all the good sports that are yeah. coming and, and this is a book actually i've wanted to read for a while it's called imperfect by jim abbott and uh jim abbott his career and my interest in baseball kind of perfectly coincided. He broke into the major leagues the year I turned nine, and Jim Abbott was was uh, born without a right hand. He uh, a successful major league pitcher despite pitching one-handed. If you're wondering how that works, free, feel free to look at YouTube. He developed a technique where he would throw the ball and then slide his glove on his hand, uh, and he did it so seamlessly that you, if you didn't, know it was different you'd never see that it was different uh you know he he uh was not bothered by what would have been a handicap in the hands of a lesser person so we cannot wait to read this book and talk to you all uh in two weeks about it or well you will listen to joe and andy talk about it and i will try not to say anything dumb because they both know a lot more about baseball than i I do no i'll be interested to see you know the inside story from abbott and 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 how you know, part of it is how does he deal with it in baseball, but I'm interested to hear what he has to say about dealing with it in, in day-to-day life because, again, this is who he is. He was born this way. He's he's had a long and, and successful uh, run, but there's got to be some, some great wacky stories about uh, how other people have reacted and, and how he's uh, managed to thrive. We can't wait. We'll see you all in two weeks. All right. In the meanwhile, happy Valentine's Day and keep reading. <laughs>